the crew all season long on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue. Here is your host, Dominic Catronio. All right, if you stayed up late with us, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh man, all that for that. I tell you, when it rains, it pours for the Brewers offense this season. They've only got three losses, but all three of them are by shutouts. So... Take it for what that's worth. I'm Dominic Catronio. Jeff Cirillo is with us tonight. An abbreviated postgame given the late night hour. We'll be with you until about midnight or so. And a reminder to all your friends, uh, if they aren't listening live, of course, it is always available in podcast form after the show, wherever you get your podcasts. Jeff, there's a lot of ways that we can start with a 3 nothing loss. I don't want this to devolve into just talking about the umpiring tonight. I do want to make sure we start this off saying, first of all, Wade Miley did not pitch that bad, but Zach Gallen pitched really, really well tonight. Oh, he did. He was unbelievable. I mean, with the, the, the whole staff was really good. They had one walk and 13 punch outs. Not a lot of offense, not a lot of base runs. They really only had one inning where they had a threat, and Gallen, you know, struck out the next two guys. Yeah, Gallen, I mean, remember, this dude was really on the scene, especially the second half of last season. He finished fifth in Cy Young voting last year. He had the best whip in the National League. He had a sub-one whip all of last season. And quite frankly, you know, it's kind of how Corbin Burns is going to be feeling tomorrow where, you know, Zach was due given his first two starts. Corbin is due tomorrow. And, yes, the zone was wide, but it seemed like, though, from like the fourth inning on, I didn't really have any concerns with the zone against Zach Gallen. I thought he exploited it to his advantage. But also, the Brewers did not make the adjustment against his curveball. What did you see? No, I just, I mean, when, it, when a pitcher has a plus-plus pitch like he has in that breaking ball, I mean, it's a tough pitch, especially when, you know, when you go into a scouting report, you know, you kind of want to spit on his breaking ball, but he starts establishing for strikes. It makes it a lot harder. You know, and with big league pitchers, when they can command three different pitches and they're plus pitches, it makes for a long evening. 855-616-1620. If you're up late with us, again, 855-616-1620. Josh in the 414. Hey, hats off to Gallon. He doesn't need any help, but on a night like this, do you take away, do you have any takeaway other than on to tomorrow? And quite frankly, Josh, yeah. I mean, you got Corbin Burns on the mound tomorrow. You chalk it up. Yeah, 15 strikeouts for the offense isn't great, but the sun's going to come tomorrow and you'll get right back after it, right? That's exactly right. I mean, uh, that's the thing that's uh, the luxury that the Brewers have had in the last three, four years is that they're always bringing out a starter. You know, I remember in years past, you know, once you got past Sheets and maybe Doug Davis, you know, it was kind of like, okay. But with the Brewers, I mean, you know, this will be just, you, you might as well just get beat if you're going to get beat. Have one yep. of those games because, you know, the law of averages comes back. Yep, law of averages indeed. Brewers did not have an extra base hit. They only managed three singles in this one. Uh, William Contreras had a knock. Garrett Mitchell reached base twice, also with a walk. Uh, Bryce Terang had a hit. Joey Weimer finally got the collar, 0 for 3 with three punchies. Uh, Yelich came back down to earth, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. But I still chalk it up to one of those nights. Weird night for the Brewers, and it doesn't get easier tomorrow with Merrill Kelly on the mound, by the way. So still something uh, to keep an eye out. Burns versus Kelly should be a good one. Uh, again, it's an abbreviated post game tonight. We're going till just after midnight tonight. And uh, the, the number that jumps out to me is that curveball. Jeff, I mean, it's one thing to say, like, all right, you know it's on the scatter report, but 
man, 40 of them, a career high for the most times he has thrown a curveball in a game. And really, it was snapping. He was throwing it for a strike. He was throwing it for chase. And it clearly has late movement because the Brewers truly had no answer for it, even when they knew it was coming. Yeah, it's one of those ones. I mean, you can just go back in the history of the game of looking at guys that had great breaking balls. And you go into a scouting report, and you basically are eliminating breaking ball until you get the two strikes on it because it's such a, a, an effective pitch and it's such a, a weapon that even if you do guess right and you square it up, the chance of you squaring it up has just so much late break and depth to it. So it's one of those ones where you, you just tip your cap and when, once he starts establishing it for strikes, you know, then you got a then you got a battle on your hands and that's what the Brewers had tonight. It also makes things difficult for the rest of the game too when he's finally out of the game that now you're suddenly seeing sliders that you, you know, you've been fooled all night by breaking balls, but now you got a different break looking chafe and strikes out the side there in the ninth inning with some really nasty stuff. It's also, I mean, now we can talk about it a little bit. You know, the umpiring was something to talk about in this game. A remarkably wide zone, especially on the inside. The Brian Anderson at bat's the one that jumps out to me because that's looked like where it locked in for Gallon. I mean, in a dugout, when you're dealing with this wide of a zone, what are the conversations like and how do you adjust? Uh, you're just aggressive early in the count, really. I mean, you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to massage the bat. You don't want to kind of get into the bat and get into the flow of things because, you know, you're dealing with an umpire. Like you said, he had a, his own, it looked like his his uh, his strike zone shifted, you know, to the inside. So his plate kind of moved on him. And you just go back there and you can go back underneath and look and see if it was a ball or a strike just for validation, just to know if like, shoot, is that, am, am I seeing things? Is that a ball or a strike? And, and so... Then, you know, I mean, you can maybe back off the plate a little bit, but, you know, you just have to be more aggressive knowing that you have an umpire that's got a bigger zone. Yep. Brewers fall 3 nothing tonight. Get to a couple more texts here coming up a little bit later on. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. More with Jeff and more about the Brewers' 3 nothing loss coming up after this. Tough one tonight for the Brew Crew. They fall 3 nothing. They're now 7-3 and three on the young season. I'm Dom Catronio with Jeff Cirillo. This is Brewers Extra Innings, brought to you by Fifth Third Bank. With a local Milwaukee team, Fifth Third Bank also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value that only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Jeff, I do want to give some uh, credit to Wade Miley. I think there's really only one pitch he wants back, and it wasn't even that bad of a pitch on the homer to the opposite field by Christian Walker. Uh, Wade Miley pitched well, worked quickly, had a weird pitch clock violation against him. But all in all, I mean, this is the Wade Miley that, you know, I think Brewers fans were expecting. Get the ball on the ground, get weak contact. What have you made of his first two starts so far? I've always loved Wade Miley, just the way, he, you know, just from being a scout, just sit back there and just, I know that if I played behind him today, he's probably going to be in the vicinity of his spot where, where he's supposed to throw the location of the pitch. He works very fast. He's aggressive. He's athletic. So I think that Wade Miley is doing exactly what he's, what he's been brought in to do, right? Just be that fifth starter and throw strikes and work into the fifth inning and then turn it over. So I think that Wade Miley, just like you said, that, that one pitch that, that Walker hit was, just just right off outside the skirts of the right fielder on that on that home run ball. But it was a good pitch. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap. 
Yeah, Weimer made a great effort at it, didn't quite bring it back. But, I mean, still, it was crushed. It was the hardest hit ball of the night. 102 was the hardest hit ball. I mean, really, honestly, there wasn't a lot of loud contact. In fact, the average exit velocity tonight against Wade Miley was only 82 miles an hour. And for a team that prides itself in trying to show off its speed, it really felt like the Brewers kept them in check. Yes, there was a weird night from Willie, and we can get into that in a moment, but... Wade's this throwback where in this modern game of hit the ball hard and good things happen, Wade is just simply neutralizing the fact that, yeah, you can hit the ball, but you're not going to hit it hard against me. That's it. And he's also very, such a very good athlete as far as holding the runners down. So he's actually the perfect guy to pitch against the Diamondbacks with all their speed. He's just kind of equalizes, equalizes them uh, as far as running the bases. So Miley did exactly what he did. He threw strikes. Granny did have three walks, but he kept him in the game. Yeah, I mean, even yet, the Diamondbacks were just 1-for-10 with runners in scoring position tonight. So he did his job and left eight runners on base. And you mentioned the stealing. The Diamondbacks came into tonight leading baseball in stolen bases, and they didn't get a single attempt off against him tonight. So he was great as far as holding runners, not having to use pickoffs and things like that. The catches on the flip side, the Brewers' offense just wasn't there to back him up with only three hits. But again, we said earlier, you tip your cap to Zach Gallen. Uh, one texter coming in here, Doug, saying, you know, just this guy is too good to have another bad pitching night, meaning Zach Gallen. He was due. Also, the same thing could happen tomorrow with Burns. Due tomorrow could be better. But he asks, is it time to worry about Telez? And I also follow that up, worrying about Telez and just worrying about first base as a whole right now because Luke Voigt struggled tonight again. He went. He's now 2 for 16 this season. Rowdy is 4 for 28. I'm not ready to make any declarations. I'm sure you're not as well, Jeff. But it is something to monitor here as we're moving along 10 games in that neither Telez or Voigt has gotten off the ground yet. No, but you got to trust Telez, especially what he did last year. And he's such an instrumental part of the middle of that order. And, I, I mean, he brings such a good personality. And uh, I think that Telez will, will be fine. Now, Voigt is a guy that, you know, that he's, he's kind of like a, on a make-good contract. And so, and, and power is his game. You know, obviously it's not defense. So, you know, he's the one that I, I'd be more worried about. As for the, the rest of the offense, it was just one of those days with the, uh, with the uh, attack and the zone. There was chirping. I was honestly surprised that nobody got uh, thrown out of this game. I already had the note ready to go that Council had had 25 career ejections and obviously didn't have to use it. But, uh, I mean, it was a chippy night. You you throw it away, and I want to get to this quote. We're going to hear from Council, you know, the full audio a little bit later. But this quote uh, on the question, you know, is there is there frustration for there not being rewarded for good takes on the edges tonight? The answer from Council went, quote, look, the umpire is calling strikes. We deal with that every night. These guys have got to make decisions on balls and strikes that are on the edges every night. When balls on the edges don't go your way, absolutely. The challenge for the hitter is to identify the 18 inches of the plate, and when they feel like they do and don't get rewarded for it, it should be frustrating. You know, today, Jeff, we have all these instruments that tell us exactly what the zone is. Guys are training with the strike zone in the offseason thanks to TrackMan. It is... Uh, it's honestly amazing the evolution of understanding the strike zone from the modern hitter. And I think Counts is on to something here saying, like, man, these guys know it. Not trying to criticize the umpire, not trying to show him up. But a lot of guys, especially this team being built on plate discipline, when they take it, they're taking it for a reason. Yeah, I mean, uh, big league hitters are very, very good side to side. 
you know, if the ball is two inches off the corner, you might hold your breath a little bit, but in your mind, you know, you've just been trained that you, you know what's a strike side to side. Now, up down is a little different, but side to side, big league hitters, the ones that, that you see on TV every day, they know the zone. And I think that was what was so frustrating from Brewers hitters and from the fan base is that it was a side to side issue tonight. It wasn't really an up and down. But hey, you know, everyone's human. It's part of the game. This is one of those scenarios where, hey, you're going to chalk this up saying, you know what, maybe the baseball gods owe us one. Maybe that'll come tomorrow. Maybe that'll come later on in the season. But it usually levels out. So it's going to be A-OK. We're going to have one more segment with Jeff. Craig Council coming up a little bit later on as well. We're rolling on with Brewers Extra Innings after this. All right, one more segment with Jeff Cirillo. Brewers fall 3-0 tonight. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620. If you're up late tonight, driving through the area, sitting back, relaxing, back at it tomorrow, same time, same place. Our coverage will start at 8.05 local here in Central Time Zone. First pitch is 8.40, and then the the, uh, back on Wednesday, it'll be a 2.10 uh, coverage, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna double check that. But before we get into that, want to talk about our difference-making moment of the game, brought to you by Annex Wealth Management. Annex Wealth Management is different, not driven by commission sales or pushing financial products you may not actually need. It's for elite, comprehensive financial planning, customized to who you are and what you need. Contact Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. Uh, Jeff, I'll give you the floor first. What was your difference-making moment of the game? Well, I thought it was the when when the Brewers their only one scoring opportunity is when they got second, third down through the wild pitch to get him into into scoring position, and he just struck out, struck out both both vote and uh, Terang to end the in that threat, and it was really the only threat of the night. It really was, and that was also the inning where it was really coming to a head with the strike zone complaints. That was the inning where Anderson struck out looking on back-to-back curves that were not in the strike zone. I tweeted it at Dom underscore Catronio. You can see what the uh, StatCast model has of where those pitches were. Uh, I'm going to go with a different one here. I'm actually going to go... I thought this could have been a difference-making moment if the Brewers were going to come back and win this game. I'm going to go to the fourth inning, bottom of the fourth, Alec Thomas at the plate against Wade Miley. This was that weird inning where he had the weird pitch clock violation against Wade Miley for being set with the batter not being engaged with him. I think that's a dumb pitch clock uh, variant there. But then also, I think any other veteran pitcher or any other rookie pitcher, a younger pitcher, would not be able to handle the the bad luck that he got in that inning, right? A bloop single, then a weird drop double play by Willie Adamas, and then ultimately getting Thomas to fly out. I thought that showed some serious stones from Wade Miley in the fourth inning. Oh, yeah, that guy's a veteran. He's got a low heart rate out there. He's kind of just kind of gets it and goes. I mean, like the Mark, he's kind of, I wouldn't say a poor man's Mark Burley, but that's kind of the way he pitches. He just throws his pitches and lives with the result. Yeah, he, he, and he works just as fast as Mark Burley, to say the least, as well. Uh, let's let's look ahead quickly here to tomorrow, Jeff. You've got Corbin Burns on the mound against Merrill Kelly. This is an ace-off. This should be a really good one again tomorrow. For Corbin, it's been said, it's odd that he's had these first two starts not go his way. What do you need to see from him tomorrow to make you feel a little more comfortable that, all right, he's got it back going in the right direction? You know, I think it just all starts with strike one with him, you know, just being on the aggressive side of things. And just remembering who he is, you know, and uh, and that his stuff is still good. You know, sometimes as major leaguers, you know, 
we're not robots in the sense, you know, just, all right, here's his stats and there's the pitches. You know, there's a, there's a, a mental side to this thing. And it's like, I can't, I can't say for pitching, but I can't say for hitting. It's like, you know, you're constantly just climbing a ladder. And so when you get a hit, you know, you go two, three rungs up the, up the ladder. But unfortunately, it works the other way as well. And so for a pitcher, you just needs to remember who he is and just uh, attack the zone for pitch one. Well, I know it can work for the offense, too, because we've seen offenses be contagious. We've certainly talked about that. The Brewers are still 7-3. and three. The Diamondbacks are now 7-4. and four. They've won game one of this three-game series. And I'll leave you with this, Jeff. As they embark on this 10-game road trip on the West Coast against three very good teams, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, and the Mariners, I was talking with some guys here in the studio. Look, if you come back 5-5 five and five from this trip, that's a massive win because it's always hard to win on the road, especially on the West Coast. But you throw in the fact that these are three quality opponents. Five and five, I think, would be an absolute win for the Brewers on this trip. Oh, I'd absolutely agree with you. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you think later in the year, if this thing was coming in September and the Brewers were chasing down a central title, you know, you'd be looking at this road trip being like, oh, my goodness. But, you know, they do have a little cushion, seven and three coming in i mean they've been rewarded right they played good baseball the first first 10 games out and now they're now they're going on their first long big league road trip so i mean uh it's 10 games against 10 i mean it's against three really really good teams but you know like i said you know the pitching and they have so many ways that they can beat you now not only with the home run but they play good defense they got team speed so i mean there's a lot of ways the brewers can beat you Amen to that. Jeff Cirillo joining us on Brewers X Trainings. He'll be back with us again tomorrow night before we get the day off on Wednesday. The Brewers, of course, will be playing. But, Jeff, thanks as always for your insight and look forward to chatting with you tomorrow. See you, Dom. All right, great stuff from Cirillo once again. We're going to talk about who's hot and who's cold coming up next. This is Brewers X Trainings. It's a loss tonight, 3 nothing. But no fret, there's 162 games for a reason. I'm Dom Catronio. Right now we're going to get into who's hot and who's cold, brought to you by Cider Heating and Cooling. Trust in your family's comfort at home with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider's highly trained technicians provide a one-stop shop for all home and business comfort needs, including an emergency line that's always live. Get peace of mind by scheduling maintenance today with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider.com, that's S-E-I. D-E-R. Who's hot is the bullpen. They keep the streak going. It's incredible what they've got going on right now. Three more scoreless innings to make it 26 and a third consecutive innings without allowing a run. Tonight, Bryce Wilson for two innings and Javi Guerra for an inning. Javi looked nasty tonight. And once he gets that slider dialed in, wow. And the, the thought is with Javi is that he's going to get better throughout the season. Now, first of all, healthy. Second of all, getting an opportunity to learn from the best in the biz with the Brewers. And third, just pitching. He will learn more about this new role, which is still finally a normal offseason for him. So I'm really excited to see the development moving forward for Javi Guerra. Do not give up on him. I love using the phrase. You've heard me say it a few times now. But from Hobie Milner talking to him, absolute fuel from Javi Guerra. So looking forward to getting to know more about him and learning more about what makes him tick. Who's cold? Obviously the offense was cold tonight, but I, I, for me it's first base. I, I think it's a real concern early. Now there's, you can't really say it's concern, concern, 10 games into the season, right? It's still a very small sample size. But early returns on Voight, early returns on Telez aren't great. When I look at Luke Voigt, I see a dude that's pressing. And he was... You know, proving himself, and he had a great spring, 
And I know what you're thinking, Dom, spring doesn't mean anything. You're not wrong about that. But at the same time, the dude had to prove that he was worth worth something to the Brewers for them to keep him around. They did. But ultimately, you know, now he's on the team and any chance he's got because he's not taking regular playing time. He knew that coming in, and he's making the adjustment to it right now. All it takes is a hot week, right? Where he can go something like all of a sudden six for for thirteen, and boom, his average going to pop up. He's going to maybe get a couple extra base hits in there. Things will be looking in the right direction. But first base is my pick for who's cold right now. Again, tomorrow it'll be Brewers and Diamondbacks game two of this three game series. It'll be Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. Man, I mean, they could have been teammates on Team USA if it wasn't for uh, Corbin deciding to opt out. But still, should be a very fun matchup. Again, coverage will start at 8.05 right here on 620 WTMJ, right after WTMJ Nights. I'll be with you after the game as well. And then Wednesday, coverage starts at 2.05 for a 2.40 first pitch. And then uh, we will not have Brewers extra innings on Wednesday. We'll have the Bucks weekly playoff preview coming up since the Bucks open up the postseason on Saturday. We're going to hear from the manager, Craig Council, coming up next. We're with you till the top of the hour, just after it or so, right here on Brewers Extra Innings. Wade Miley, a tough luck loss in this one. Five innings, five hits, three runs all earned. Three walks, not really like him. Three strikeouts, and then the big home run by Christian Walker. The win goes to Zach Gallen. Seven great innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. Andrew Chafin gets the save for the Diamondbacks, striking out the side, doing it in style in just two hours and 12 minutes tonight. Let's hear from the skipper, who actually tied Phil Garner tonight for the most games managed in Brewers history. He will surpass Garner tomorrow. Here is the manager, Craig Council. Um, I thought his curveball was really good tonight. We just, we just didn't, we, you could, we couldn't see it. You know, um, it was wasn't first strike as much as it was down in the zone, down out of the zone, and kept getting swings, especially early in the game. We got a lot of swings on it um, out of the zone, so it was it was a good pitch. Um, you know, you know he's got it, um, but he, you know, it was good enough where we just we weren't recognizing it, um, and he did a good job with it. Was he sort of able to pitch backwards in a sense, like establishing that curve and then getting some of the other stuff later? Um, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think he, we just, you know, when he got ahead, he threw he threw curveballs out of the zone a lot, um, and and we chased too much. How how tough is that when you you know? Kind of like Corbin's cutter, right? Like you know yeah. it's coming, and you're trying to make. It yeah, I mean that's you know we we. We had the right report kind of going into the game, so it's it's not a unfamiliar pitch. Um, you know, it's just you got to recognize it and lay it off, lay off it. That's the that's the that's the challenge against really good pitchers. I feel like it was classic Wade for the most part, except for that one pitch to Walker. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Wade pitched well. I thought um, you know they they put a good swing on a ball kind of late in the start, and that that was a big, certainly a big swing of the bat. Um, but Wade did a nice job. Did you get an explanation when you went, went back out there? Was it the, the, the automatic strike he or automatic ball? I guess he got. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's it's around the quick pitch. I mean, I, I thought there was I thought Longoria was I don't think intentionally, but unintentionally being deceptive in that he was looking at the pitcher and then looking away, um, and that's what caused you know when, when Wade starts when he's looking at the looking at him and then when my, when uh, Longoria is looking away then it gets called and 
I don't think Longoria is doing it on purpose. I think that's, but I think the umpire got fooled by it. Um, and so I, th- I thought it was incorrect. And it's 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 not a warning; it's an automatic. It, there's a war- There is a warning, and then there's one warning, and then it's automatic. It's a ball. And he got warned already. Yeah, he got warned, the, and he got warned in Longoria's first at bat, which is, <laughs> you know, which is why Longoria was doing it multiple times. How impressed have you been with uh, Wade's progress? I mean, into spring and into now, especially considering that last year he spent a lot of time on the on the IL. Yeah, I mean, Wade's a good pitcher. I mean, this is what Wade does when he's healthy, and, and our job is to, uh, you know, keep him healthy. Um, and I, th- I think, uh, it's, you know, we, th- we thought if we can if he can be healthy, he's going to provide quality innings. And his first two starts, that's exactly what he's done. How valuable have Bryce's innings been when you've had to Yeah, I mean, it's he, he's, I mean, every every guy in the bullpen's pitching really, really well, and we're getting quality stuff out of there so, so Bryce is um, you know again gave us put two zeros up there Javi put a zero up there gave us a chance we just we just couldn't get anything going tonight did you sense any, any sort of frustration from the guys with um, not being rewarded for some of their takes at the plate I mean yeah look the umpires calling strikes we deal with that every night He's got, they got to make decisions on balls and strikes that are on the edges every night and um yeah, when balls on the edges don't go your way, absolutely. It's that's that. You're, the challenge for the hitter is to identify the 18 inches of the plate, and when they feel like they do and they don't get rewarded for it, it's. I mean, it should be frustrating. He shared with you earlier in the show talking about, well, you know, how Craig felt about the strike zone. Now that is so pro by counts, by the way, not doing anything to show up the umpire. Not doing anything to say, oh, my God, not doing anything flamboyant or anything, but poignantly, calmly saying, hey, look, you know, I thought our guys were making good takes. Umpire didn't see it that way. It's frustrated to not be rewarded, but we'll move on. You know, that's a, you know, you know what he didn't say there because I think that's a really, really good way to handle it. You put it in the past and you move on. You know you're on to something. When you're mad about it, you can go back and look at it on video, go back and look at it on the track, man, and say, you know what? I am right. It's going to be okay, though. These will all level out. There's not really highlights. That's normal that we talk about in the next segment. Let's kind of recap this game and get you ready for the rest of this week coming up on Brewers Extra Innings. You know, as opposed to, you know, doing a highlight segment here because, well, the Brewers got shut out 3 to nothing. here's all you need to know. An RBI single six pitches into the game by Josh Rojas scored a leadoff double from Cattell Marte in the fifth inning, a two-out, two-run homer the opposite way by Christian Walker was all the scoring in this one, three to nothing. But I do want to point out three positives tonight from the Brewers despite the loss. I mean, first and foremost, you have to talk about the bullpen. What Bryce Wilson and Javi Guerra did, not only did they pitch well and keep the Brewers in it, they set up the bullpen for the rest of the series. That's a great sign as well. Number two, another good thing that I like today, Garrett Mitchell being patient. He drew that walk in the second inning against uh, Zach Allen, took some really tight pitches there, had the single, didn't get the chance to steal a bag. He actually nearly beat out a potential double play ball from Luke Voigt just on the grounder to short. I really like him when Mitchell is patient and he's able to use all of the zone and try to be able to, you know, catch them by surprise. And the third thing that I liked about tonight, as I look around at Wade Miley's line, I mean, like we said earlier, nothing was really hit that hard. He got a ton of ground balls. Yes, the homer by Walker was poorly timed, 
But I look back at that fourth inning as being a massive inning for Wade Miley, of being able to get through that because at the time it was still one nothing, trying to get momentum back on their side, and again, leaving eight runners on base, one for ten with runners in scoring position. Miley pitched very, very well. We're going to wrap up the show coming up right after this on 620 WTMJ. We talked about strike zones, and I do want to say I think the K zone was a little bit off tonight on television, but to reiterate, StatCast agreed with all of us for what we were seeing. The pitches were off the plate that were getting called. That wasn't the only reason the Brewers lost tonight. It was a minor detail, in my opinion, because... You look at all the whiffs and all the chases against Zach Allen. Zach Allen pitched extremely well. Did he get a benefit of a call here in the second inning? Absolutely. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is the Brewers didn't make the adjustment from innings four through seven. And they would tell you the same thing. They stopped. They kept chasing that curveball. They could not figure out what that spin looked like. Tip your cap. This dude was top five in Cy Young a year ago for a reason. So Zach Allen seemed to have found it with the curveball. Maybe it's a sign of things to come with Corbin Burns coming up tomorrow. Well, I guess now technically today since I've passed midnight now here in the central time zone. Corbin Burns, Merrill Kelly will be the matchup tomorrow. That game, first pitch will be 840 local here in Wisconsin, 640 back in Arizona. It's a toasty one. It'll be 97, 98 degrees. The roof's open, though, which, look, as we've all said, you've all heard it before, it's a dry heat as you're a native Arizonan. I'll tell you, look, 97, 98 feels great, kind of like it feels like here in Wisconsin. We're like, oh, yeah, 80 degrees, sign me up. It's not that hot, obviously, but you get what I'm saying. It feels great. To in Arizona, and uh, I've heard the guys on the radio talk about, oh, yeah, you see the number, but it doesn't feel like that. So good things happening down in the Valley of the Sun. Get right back on track tomorrow. You can still win the series with these next two games. So something to keep an eye out. Also, Brandon Woodruff will get the start. You get Burns and Woodruff for these last two before you head to San Diego for four. You'll see Wade Miley against those guys, and you're also missing... Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back against the Padres. So that's some more good news there as well. Real quickly, elsewhere here in the Central Division, the Cubs walked off on the Mariners 3-2. Jared Kelnick, though, hit a ball in that one halfway to Kenosha. Uh, did not get the victory, though, in that contest. The Pirates fell to the Astros 8-2. Uh, and that was all. Or, and the Cardinals lost to the Rockies 7-4. That's your NL Central scoreboard here tonight. Brewers, though, still sitting at seven and four, or excuse me, seven and three. Diamondbacks at seven and four, right back at it tomorrow for Game Two of this three-game set. Thank you so much for listening. For Tommy Wirtz, our producer, and for Jeff Cirillo joining us, I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.